The Joy FM Sports presents The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Welcome to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. Thank you for joining us again this week for another fantastic episode. We all know what took place a few days ago with Drew Brees setting the NFL passing touchdown record with number 541 in his career. I mean, what's what an impressive career that he's had so far that he continues to excel at such a high level, even as he gets up in age. So in that game, Monday night against the Indianapolis Colts, Drew Brees went 29 of 30 for 307 yards and four touchdowns. He had one incompletion. One incompletion. If you've heard me speak of the last few weeks, I was talked about Justin Fields, how he had 40 touchdowns and one interception the whole season and how I compared that to video game numbers. But then I thought about it. I'm like, that's not even video game numbers. It's just un, an unrealist, uh, unreal stat that we've never heard before. So Drew Brees going 29 of 30, 307 yards, four touchdowns to break Peyton Manning's all-time passing touchdowns record. And in that game, when because Manning had the record at 539, so when, when Breeze threw number 540, I love Joe Tessitore's call, and he was like, that's number 540 in the 504, which represents New Orleans area code there. And so um, I love Joe Tessitore. He's one of the best um, sportscasters there is today. I think he'll continue to grow his brand as he gets more and more exposure. Now, Drew Breeze currently holds the NFL record for passing touchdowns, passing yards, and completions. Uh, This is a guy who came out of Purdue. The San Diego Chargers had the number one pick in that draft. But the most popular quarterback coming out of that draft was actually Michael Vick. So instead of taking Michael Vick, they weren't able to reach a contract agreement prior to selecting him. So they ended up trading out of that number one spot to the fifth spot, with the Atlanta Falcons. So the Falcons ended up taking Vic with number one. The Chargers took running back LaDainian Thompson out of TCU with that fifth spot. So they traded back, got the fifth pick and other draft capital for that year and for the upcoming future drafts. And then the second round of that draft where Vic went first, Thompson went fifth to the Chargers. The Chargers took Drew Brees with the first pick in the second round to be their future quarterback. Now, this was kind of a new regime in San Diego started to try to create some winning ways. And what a better way to do it with a guy like LaDainian Thompson, who we knew, who we've known now to is a Hall of Famer. He was inducted a couple of years ago. Now, Drew Brees wasn't really always the Drew Brees that we've known today. It really wasn't a great start to his NFL career in San Diego, so much so that in the 04 draft when the Chargers had the number one pick, they took Eli Manning. Eli Manning was their guy. He want, they wanted to have him kind of start this whole new era. The breeze wasn't working out, wasn't really getting it done. So they drafted Eli Manning, but Eli Manning didn't want to pay for the Chargers. So he forced his way out on that same draft day trade where he was sent to the Giants. The Giants selected Phillip Rivers. Rivers was sent to San Diego. So here we are, Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees competing for starting opportunity Who's going to stay? Who's not? And this is kind of where that moment clicked for Drew Brees. He started to turn it on, and he's playing well. 
But you have this first round pick, the number five pick, Philip Rivers sitting behind him, who's actually from Athens, Alabama, which I went to East Limestone High School, which is located in Athens. So we're, me and Philip Rivers are actually from the same area. And uh, I've heard some stories about him, how he was even a great basketball player, too, as well, which is something that's not uncommon. We've when we hear pro athletes, they're usually pretty good in multiple sports. So, yeah, Philip Rivers. Behind Drew Brees, Brees is starting to turn it on. But here it is, Brees' contract is expiring. So what do the Chargers do? Do they trust Brees, who's starting to kind of finally get it? Or do they you know, trust their first-round pick in Phillip Rivers and turn the keys over to him? So they let Drew Brees walk in free agency. Brees ended up signing in New Orleans, where he connected with Sean Payton. And this is where... Drew Brees' career really took off. It reached a whole another level. I mean, this is where players and coaching is so such an it's, it's very important to find that right coach or that right scheme that fits your players. That's what great coaches do. They don't try to take a player and force it into what they want, but they take their coaching system and make it fit around that player. So Breeze going to New Orleans, Sean Payton, it's been like a match made in heaven. It's been awesome. They've won a Super Bowl and they've broken records together. And we all know what the Saints do year in, year out in the Superdome with that offense. Now, when I think about Breeze being in New Orleans and Sean Payton, it reminded me of what John Harbaugh has done in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. So Joe Flacco was a quarterback for several years, very average quarterback. He had that one great postseason where they won a Super Bowl. He threw 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions. But we've seen now what John Harbaugh is doing with Lamar Jackson, where Flacco is a pocket passer. Lamar Jackson is a do-it-all quarterback, a true dual threat who can make plays with his feet and his arm. What he did is he hired Greg Roman, who spent that time – in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick when he was coming out of Nevada. And we all knew know the success that the 49ers had when Kaepernick was their quarterback, when Jim Harbaugh, John's brother, was a coach. And so John went to go get Greg Roman as offensive coordinator because now he has someone who has that experience with a quarterback who can make plays with their feet and arm, a very dynamic young player. And so we've seen the Ravens take off, and I think they've won like 10 games straight. They're 12-2. and two. Uh, It's been very tough watching them excel at the level that they have because I'm a Steelers fan, so we happen to play the Ravens two times a year now. But that's what great coaches do. They don't force a a square peg into a, a round hole. They don't do that. They take what they have and they build around it. So that's what the Ravens have done. That's what I think about when I talk about Drew Brees and his connection with Sean Payton, how they just kind of connected together, and it's been a perfect fit ever since. Now, with Drew Brees, he's always been doubted throughout his career. He's always been too short to play the quarterback position in the eyes of a lot of NFL scouts, GMs, coaches. And this comes back to – kind of what he is. This is who he is. He's always been someone who has to prove the doubters wrong. I'm going to show you that I can play ball. I've been doubted my whole life, and this is nothing new to me. It's You're just adding fuel to the fire. Uh, Drew Brees went to Westlake High School, a very 
uh, prominent high school in the state of Texas, the same school that produced Nick Foles, who was the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And like I said, he went to Purdue, came out, second-round pick, but they're saying he's too short. He's only six foot, maybe six foot. I mean, there's there's been images where you see Drew Brees standing on his tippy-toes trying to see over the offensive line because of his height. And so this is one of those deals where – you know, you have the whole prototypical size. Like they talk about, I want my quarterback to be six four, six five, with a cannon of an arm, better throw a deep field, uh, deep downfield. And those are same, some of the concerns they had about Drew coming out is his lack of size. Can he throw the ball deep downfield? And here we are seeing him now holding NFL records and passing touchdowns, yards, and completions. And so when I think about that whole idea of prototypical size like I don't I never understood that because I believe if you're a good player you're a good player regardless of your size if you're good you're good there's there's somewhere for you on that field and so a lot of people they miss a lot of teams miss when it comes to the NFL draft because they're looking for that guy who has to be 6'4 6'5 who has a cannon of an arm and they reach and take those guys in the first round and then four years later they're either a backup labeled as a bus or they're not even in the league altogether. So with Breeze, there's another quarterback that I think about when I and you probably know where I'm leading when I'm talking about quarterbacks who were really good and who have overcome that whole criticism of not being tall enough. And that's my guy Russell Wilson. I love Russell Wilson. I wasn't really I didn't know much about him at NC State. Um, he was the first freshman quarterback to become first team all ACC at NC State, but I didn't know much about him until he and his head coach, Tom O'Brien, kind of clashed because Russell wanted to play football as well as pursue uh, professional baseball. But Tom O'Brien wanted a quarterback who was going to be there 100% committed. And that's when, you know, Russell decided to transfer. So his two schools he came down to was Auburn and Wisconsin. So that's when it really started to pique my interest of who's this guy, Russell Wilson? I don't don't really know who he is. So, well, he ultimately chose to attend Wisconsin and – I, I watched him his whole year. I mean, just because, like I said, he didn't choose Auburn, so I'm wondering what he does at Wisconsin. And he had a phenomenal year, and it didn't take long for me to become a fan of his game. And they had some heartbreaking losses that year where they lost on a Hail Mary play to, to Michigan State where the receiver just did cross the goal line. They lost to Oregon in a Rose Bowl on uh, where Wisconsin was driving, and I think they tried to snap it and, and spike it in time, and the clock ran out on them. So they had some very – Tough breaking, uh, tough heartbreaking losses that, you know, you take those situations that came to the last second of those games, they could have been undefeated and competing for a national championship. But with Russell Wilson, where it really took it to a whole nother level for me was when he did John Gruden's QB camp and he was very adamant in his faith, his relationship with the Lord. And that always warms my heart when I hear a player speak of uh, their relationship with God and they're not ashamed to speak in front of cameras or on microphones that God is first in their lives and what they what they believe, uh, you know, that relationship is all about and showing that relationship, you know, in everything they do. And Drew Brees is the same way. He's very adamant in his faith. He always lets uh, lets the world know that he gives all his, his glory to God. And so Russell Wilson is my guy. Like he's one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player that's currently in the league today. And he's had to overcome some of those same obstacles of not being tall enough. You're only 5'11". Uh, 
you know, can you make plays from the pocket or are you always going to be a scrambling QB? And so I always believe Russell will be great in the league. I just didn't know if he would get the opportunity to be great because of his size. So he fell all the way to the third round where the Seahawks took him in with the 75th pick in that 2012 draft. And so Russell has been setting the world on fire ever since. And I think it comes back to that whole, does a player pass the eye test? We always hear that, does he pass an eye test? When you look at him, can you tell he's good? And it's not just in in the pro level, college level, but you hear it in the youth leagues and in high school as well. And I think that's something that you can't just look at a player and tell if he's going to be good or not. Just because they have a certain build or their size is a certain way, that doesn't determine that they're going to be a stud athlete. And like I said, when you look at Russell Wilson, who's 5'11", Drew Brees, who may be six foot. Allen Iverson was maybe six foot. Isaiah Thomas, five nine. Like we've seen guys who's who's overcome those odds and those challenges that the league and the world tries to uh, establish as far as their career paths go. And so Russell Wilson, like I said, um, Drew Brees, these guys here may not pass the eye test when it comes to the NFL scouts and what they're looking for, but. I think it just proves and shows people more and more that, hey, if you're if you're good, you're good. If you're a gamer, you're a gamer. And so when I think about the prototypical size passing the eye test, I compare it to dating. And so when you think about you see a pretty girl, oh, man, she is super beautiful. She is gorgeous. Like I want to date her. All you know is just from what you see, but you don't know the type of person she actually is. She may not have a great personality. She may be rude to people. Uh, She just may not be a good person overall, but what you see is not what you get. And so that's where in the athletes or is this dating you see is, okay, is this, this, does, does this person pass the eye test? When I see them, do I already know what I'm getting? And that's not the truth. Cause you may see a girl who may not be as, as cute as the next girl, but I mean, she's such a great person and she just lights up the room because of her personality and, and being around her is such a joy and uh, people gravitate towards her just because of her love for people. And so that's when I think about the passing the eye test. It's not the end all be all. When it comes to athletes, that term intangibles is so important. That's something we can't measure doing drills, but we see that by your work ethic or like I mentioned, if you're like a cute girl who has a great personality and people just kind of gravitate towards them, that's the same way you see that in the in the locker room, in the clubhouses where certain players, they just have that that light that shines around them, that people get behind them and, and want to play for them and want to fight for them. And I believe that's what Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, both of those, both of those guys have amazing intangibles. They're always working out. They're always in the uh, film room studying game tape, they're doing whatever they can to gain an advantage. The things that you may not see that behind closed doors that you still have to put in that work to overcome any obstacle that you're going to go through that year. Or, you know, the things when I remember Terrell Owens saying, while you're sleeping, I'm working out. And so it's things like that where no matter what the situation is, you're somewhere trying to gain that advantage. I heard Colin Cowherd speak the other day on when he was working with ESPN. Drew Brees was on campus going through that whole car wash, they call it, as they bounce between different shows and doing different uh, takes with different shows on that day. 
Well, Drew Brees had a 45-minute window on this one day on the campus of ESPN. He spent those 45 hour, 45 uh, minutes, uh, 45-minute break he had, he went to the gym and worked out and was, like, dripping sweat. And Colin was like, man, what are you doing? You got an interview, like, later in the day, and you know, it's only 45 minutes. And Drew was like, man, I had to get a workout in. It's like, you know, any chance I get, I had to make sure I get it in. And so that's the kind of mindset that Drew Brees um, possesses, that – He's here doing interviews all day, but he had a small little gap to get a workout in, and he took full advantage of it. So those are the things that people get lost is the intangible side of things that we can't measure through drills. You can't you can't measure it. It's just something that someone has. And so you'll have someone who may pass the eye test, but they have those they don't have those intangibles that takes them to another level. They either fade out and you never hear them from them again or they never really fully live up to their potential. So Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, any young athletes, if you want to model your game after anybody, those are the two guys, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, swimming, golf, I don't care, whatever it is that you do, those are two stand-up athletes that they're great role models if you wanted to learn how to get to that next level and have great success in your sports career. Now, when we return, we're going to continue this sports talk, but I can't tell you exactly what we're going to talk about yet, but stay tuned here on The Sweet Spot. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. As we continue today's show, we all know how big social media is in today's world. As Everybody's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Like it's Everybody's on social media these days. I don't care if you're 15 or you're 85. Like everybody's on social media. And so I'm going to dive into a few instances where social media and sports hasn't really gone well when Certain players take certain actions that have come back to bite them and the team as well. Now, I'm going to share a few examples from this year, but I'm also going to share an experience that really hit me hard because it hurt my team. And it was dealing with one of the teams that I follow, uh, you know, every single year. The first example is something that happened recently with Dion Waiters with the Miami Heat, where he was supposedly sick, but... He posted a picture of him on a boat on his Instagram account, and that's how the Miami Heat found out that he wasn't really sick. Now, Deion Waiters has had his issues with the team for the last couple of years. It's always something, whether he's he's hurt or he's his conduct uh, detrimental to the team. He's been suspended a few times, so his time is really winding down with the Miami Heat. I know they're ready to wipe their hands clean from anything Dion Waiters. Now, I don't know how they're going to get that done. They may just have to release him and and eat that cap that cap hit that's going to hurt their salary. But uh, there there's not going to be anybody that's willing to trade for this guy. Not after the antics that he's done. So he was supposedly sick, but he's on a boat partying and having a good time. And then he posts a picture on his Instagram account. Like what do like people really don't think of the things they do and then you put it out for the World Wide Web for everyone to see. Like it's one thing to call out sick. 
I'm sure everybody has probably called out sick one day in their life and the different jobs they've had. But to do it and then you post a picture on Facebook or whatever your social media account is, you're, it's, it's just a dead giveaway. <laughs> you know, like you basically might have just called whoever your, whoever your employer is and say, hey, I'm not going to be at work. I'm on a boat or I'm at a party or I'm out of town at a game or I just didn't want to come in today. Because you basically telling telling yourself when you put that on the uh, social media and the World Wide Web and all the platforms that are available in today's world. Now, the next example is Randy Arozarena. He's an outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals. This was back when they beat the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS where they beat them in game five. They scored nine runs and 20 minutes into the game, uh, which ended up they won 13 to one, uh, tr- crushing the Atlanta Braves dreams that day. Now, in the locker room after the game, Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, is giving his postgame speech and, you know, they're excited, they're pumped. Well, Rose Arena decided to record that speech that Mike Schilt was giving and posted it on what? His Instagram account, just like Dion Waiters did. Now, Cardinals have a very stable organization. I'm sure they've handled that internally and Rose Arena has learned his lesson, but it's just something that I just don't understand. I don't understand why we have that need to always have to record something. I mean, enjoy the moment. Just take it in. You should be listening to your, your manager speak as he's excited. And, but you, ha- you feel the need to record it, and then you have to go post it on social media. Now, Rosarena, he, he apologized, as they always do. And he said, you know, this was a rookie mistake. Like, it's not a rookie mistake. It's just a mistake. I don't care if it's your first year in the league or you've been in the league for 18 years. That's just a mistake. That's something you should know not to do. Um, regardless of how long you've been playing in the game. So I don't expect us to see more of a Rose Arena and Hell's antics like that. Like I said, he's in a good organization where they'll handle that. Now, if he doesn't learn from it, then he won't last long in St. Louis, and they'll trade him in a heartbeat. Cardinals are one of those respected organizations that, like I said, they don't, they don't play any mess. So when it comes to baseball, they're all about doing it and doing it the right way. Now, the next example also happened this year in 2019 was Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, you probably know where I'm going with this. Is he is a quarterback for the Washington Redskins. They were they just took the lead over the Detroit Lions to go up 19 to 16 in the last few seconds. So the Lions have the ball. Jeff Driscoll has the ball. He's throwing it, trying to get in scoring position in the last few seconds of the game. He throws an interception. So the Redskins now have the ball back with just only a few ticks left on the clock. So all they need to do is take a knee, kneel the clock, game's over. Big problem. Where's your quarterback? Where's Dwayne Haskins? Everyone's looking for him. They don't know where he is. Backup quarterback Case Keenum has to grab his helmet, go out there for the final play just to take a knee to end the game. So come to find out Dwayne Haskins is with the fans taking selfies. Like the game's not over, dude. What are you doing? What's where's your mind at? You know, you're you're over here taking pictures, and your game is still going on. You should be with your teammates until the game is actually over. It's it's not over until you see triple zeros, final, and you see the referees leaving the field, the cameraman or the media team storming onto the field to get interviews and pictures. But this guy is nowhere near to be found, and there's just certain things I just don't get what that 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 people do. It just doesn't make any sense. Like 
And he didn't even have a great game that day. He was like 13 for 29 for 156 yards and an interception. And you're celebrating like you just had a Drew Brees type game when he went 29 of 30 for 307 yards and four touchdowns against the Colts on Monday night. And so that's those type of things. It just doesn't sit well with me. I just don't know why a player is more uh, in, uh, focused on taking pictures when the game is still going on. Like, And you're the quarterback. You're supposed to be the leader of the team. You're the first-round pick. They're expecting you to be the face of the franchise. And here you are doing something like this. Now, I don't, I don't know what the, what's going to happen uh, as far as the rest of his career, but if I had to take a guess, I don't think it's going to go well for Dwayne Haskins. Like, I think he's kind of showing you where his mind is. And even though he's a rookie, there's certain things that you just don't do, and you're supposed to be a professional. Uh, Joe Theismann, who you know had a great career with the Redskins prior to his uh, career-ending injury, you know, blasted Dwayne Haskins on Twitter saying it's not professional. That's not uh, what a leader does. And like I said, I agree with him. And, you know, this is something that Haskins, I I don't know if I really believe in him myself just because I think he went to a situation where the Redskins aren't a stable organization. Like I mentioned with the Cardinals in the Rose Arena, the Redskins, they had a good mindset when they drafted Dwayne Haskins, they were they said they were going to sit him and they were going to let him learn the playbook. They weren't going to rush him into becoming a starter. Well, all of that changed when Daniel Jones got the start against the Buccaneers earlier in the season and they beat Tampa Bay and Daniel Jones had an awesome game. And so the next week, the Giants played the Redskins and the Redskins felt the the pressure to, okay, we have to show up our division rivals, show that we got the better first-round pick, so let's play Haskins even though he's not ready. And in that game against the Giants that they lost, they put in Dwayne Haskins. He went 9 of 17 for 107 yards and three interceptions. So why are you forcing this guy to play that you said at the start of the year was not ready, and you're doing it because of – pressure from what the other divisional rival team is doing with their rookie quarterback. So I don't see things ending well for Dwayne Haskins. I think he'll be a backup eventually, probably fade out of the league, just because where his mind is, where it appears to be from what we've seen, and then also being on the team that he's with, the Washington Redskins. Now, the example that I said at it's very personal to me when it comes to an athlete and social media and the things that they've done to burn themselves in the team was back in 2017, the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's my squad. Everyone knows that the Steelers had just beaten the Kansas city chiefs in a divisional round. Next is the new England Patriots for the AFC championship. So Steelers just beat the chiefs. They're in the locker room. Mike Tomlin is giving his postgame speech, talking about the Patriots, how we're going to beat them, we're going to do this, going to do that. And Antonio Brown is sitting there recording it on Facebook Live. So as it's as Mike Tomlin is giving his postgame speech, Antonio Brown is recording it as at that very moment, and it's going all over the Internet on Facebook Live. And so that, to me, was that breaking point. For me, I was done with Antonio Brown when that happened. Now, it took another season or two to actually uh, get rid of Antonio Brown, but I, w- I wanted them to trade him in that next offseason. 
Like I said, it took another season or two, trading to Oakland, got a third-round pick, fifth-round pick in, in return. That third-round pick is Deontay Johnson, who's lighting it up for the Steelers out of Toledo right now. So that's looking pretty good for Pittsburgh. And so, like I said, Antonio Brown to the Raiders. Didn't even play a single game with them before they cut ties with him because they had enough of his antics and didn't even play a single game. They didn't even make it to the regular season with them. So, you know, they cut ties, they let go, and then he went to the New England Patriots. And you know the Patriots will give anybody a chance because they want to win games, and they'll win those games. And when it's time to move on from you, they'll move on. Well, Antonio played one game. They beat the Dolphins, and then they had to let go of him because of his – ongoing case with the legal situation and stuff. So I don't expect Antonio Brown to play again. Now, I won't be surprised if another team gave him another shot, but when the Patriots are done with you, that says a lot. And a lot of teams, well, they know, okay, if New England quit on you, then well, you know we shouldn't even touch you either. So, But I wasn't shocked at all that Antonio Brown has become what he's become. He's always been this. He's always been this type of person. So when he did that to my guy Mike Tomlin, uh, who is Mike Thomas, one of my favorite coaches, Greg Popovich, as everyone I'm a Spurs fan. Those are my two guys there. Like, I love to just sit around and talk sports with them and not even just sports, but just life and be around them because that, that's what they teach. They're not only coaches as far as the players goes, but they're coaches uh, as far as life goes and the men that they're around uh, with those two organizations, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the San Antonio Spurs, two very respected well-run organizations in their respective leagues. So that was, to me, my breaking point with Antonio Brown. When he did that, I was completely done. So I'm glad we're done with Brown. I'm glad we're done with Bell. Now Pittsburgh has gotten back to just being able to play football and don't have any of these distractions that some of these players bring about. You know, they're kind of can be you can be cancer in the, in the locker room. You can be just that eyesore, or that sore thumb in the with the team. And so when you can relieve yourself from those type of players, it usually works well better for you, because anybody that knows me, I'm all about discipline. I, I have a very small tolerance for uh, just disruption and distractions. I'm all about doing it the right way. And I don't care how talented you are. I don't care if you are the best receiver in the game. I don't care if you're the best uh, quarterback to ever play. If you're a troublemaker or if you're just not a good teammate, GM Corey Bradley wants nothing to do with you. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Like I said, I think Brown probably won't play ever again. Haskins will probably fade out of the league eventually. Um, Randy Rosarina, the question is still out to see if he'll – because he's very talented, but can he correct himself from that mistake? Will he ever do anything like that again? Or is he showing us his true colors? And then Deion Waiters, like I said, he'll, he won't be in the league much longer either because, for one, he can't stay healthy, and then he's just been a troublemaker the last couple of years for the Miami Heat who have suspended him year after year. Now, when we return, it's time for today's Triple C segment. You're listening to the Joy FM Sports. It's more. Than a game.
Welcome back to the sweet spot for today's Triple C segment. Today I want to share with you is this. People are like elevators. They either bring you up or they take you down. So you have to be very mindful of the people you surround yourself with because if you're around people who aren't good for you, you start doing the things they're doing, you start speaking the way that they speak, and before you know it, they're bringing you down as a person and your personality and who you are as a whole. So you have to surround your people who, who uplift you, who encourage you, who make you a better person and a good example for others to follow. And always remember, there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot. Stay in the sweet spot for the Joy FM Sports Facebook page. This has been a presentation of the Joy FM Sports. It's more than a game.